Our Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah 9. It's found on 687 in your pew Bibles. We're going to start at verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Um, The New Testament reading this morning is found on page 1026 of your pew Bibles. It's Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. Again, that's page 1026. The birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, and Merry Christmas. Um, I'm starting from down here today because I brought uh, with me my kid's manger scene, um, which if you were to look closely at it, you would notice that our shepherd has been uh, doing construction, (laughs) and our wise men are bringing gifts of frankincense, 
a bullfrog, and an airplane. Uh, we've lost some pieces. Um, I like these nativity scenes. You know, we put them up in our houses this time of year uh, to remind us of all of the parts of the story. And they're helpful for that. We remember the wise men and the shepherds and the angel. Uh, but they're also sort of confusing uh, sometimes. Um, in this one in particular, there's an especially frustrating part. This little baby Jesus um, has a blonde curl coming out from his swaddling clothes, which um, is totally unnecessary and I think kind of heretical. Uh, he, <laughs> baby Jesus was Jewish. So anyway, we colored it black, but it's mostly come off. Um, anyway. Um, but otherwise, there's some other things that are different too. For example, the wise men, the stargazers, the astrologers who come from afar, would not have been there at the manger. They probably wouldn't arrive for a year to see baby Jesus. So we are going to take them out of our scene. I'll just put them back here. Um, another story for another time, namely Epiphany. And then maybe we'll, maybe they probably brought this camel, right? We'll take out the camel. Um, and then, so it's a little bit more like this. We have lots of animals in our, this pig looks sort of angry. Maybe he wouldn't have been so angry. Um, but it's a little bit more like this, except for one shocking change, I think, that I didn't, it took me a long time to even realize that the angel does not belong here. The angel did not appear at the manger with Jesus and Mary and Joseph. The angel came to the shepherds. So let's just move our construction worker shepherd and the angel and the sheep over here. And I actually brought another shepherd and sheep because there probably would have been more than one. This one's prettier. I wish I had something to put this on, but I don't. It would have been a little bit more like this. I guess maybe they, have, they can have a horse too. It would have been a little bit more like this. The animals and Mary and Joseph alone with the shepherds and the angels over here when Jesus was born. So here. This is it. But God is present in both of these places but in very different ways. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that, but I'm gonna go up here for it. When we think about how God is present over with the shepherds, God's presence is unmistakable there, right? With the shepherds, um, God comes in blazing glory in the presence of an angel. The dark night is lit up like the day with the glory of God. And the angel makes a thundering pronouncement, pronouncement, and then a whole choir of angels show up and burst into song praising God. It is clear and powerful, and there is no doubting it. And don't you kind of wish that God would show up a little bit more like that a little bit more often? Wouldn't it make our lives a lot easier if God gave us a little bit more of the blaze and glory I used to think so, um, but I'm not quite so sure anymore. I mean, think about how the shepherds actually responded to the light and the glory of the angel. They were scared. 
God interrupted their lives in this dramatic way that we so often long for, but they are not basking in it, finally satisfied. They're terrified. That's almost universally what happens when God shows up in that way throughout Scripture. That's why God and angels are constantly reassuring people to not be afraid. Do not be afraid is the most repeated phrase throughout Scripture, and largely because of that, because people are always falling on their faces and crying out for mercy and going blind and even dying when God shows up. The Bible says that no one can see God's fullness and live. We can't handle it. In Exodus, God spoke with Moses on Sinai, and Moses got to see God's back, not face, just back. And Moses came down the mountain glowing, like some botched science experiment. His face shining like the sun, and he had to cover it up just so that he wouldn't freak people out. And there was a time when God spoke not just to Moses, but to all of Israel. God hid God's self in a cloud of smoke over Mount Sinai and spoke from there. And when it was all over, the people looked at Moses and said, you know what, maybe you just go talk to him from now on. I don't let God speak to us again or we will die. And you know what Moses said? Do not be afraid. It's strange, right? On the one hand, it's what we all long for, some clear word from God, unmistakable, undoubtable, and on the other hand, it seems like it's too much for us. And we were built for the glory of God. We were built to live in God's presence. In the Garden of Eden, before sin, Adam and Eve walked with God, and the text says they were naked and they were not afraid. Even in the fullness of God's presence, even seeing God's face. But when sin entered the picture, they became ashamed and hid when God came near. Because of sin, we are more comfortable in the darkness than in the light. We became afraid even of God's glory. So this is one of the ways that God shows up. All the drama of light and fireworks and songs and pronouncements and terror met with good news. And some of you have probably seen God in that way. Probably met God with that kind of brilliance. But do not make the mistake of thinking that if you have not seen God in this way that you have not seen God. It is only one of the ways that God shows up. It seems like the shepherds needed the fireworks because otherwise they would not have noticed the real sign that they were being given. The baby lying in a manger. Without the blaze of glory, they would not have known that the right response to this down-and-out little boy was worship. The difference between the two scenes is striking. Over here, the angels are singing and glory is shining. Good news for the whole world is being announced. While over here, at the manger, one of the most ordinary things in the world is happening. You know, we're all amazed by the birth of a new little human. But it is also the way that every single one of all of the billions of people who are in the world have come into the world. You know, who knows how many babies were born that night? And to the untrained eye, here it doesn't seem like God has shown up at all. 
Right? God didn't show up enough to cancel the census so that, they wouldn't have, so that they could have the babe at home. God didn't show up enough to get them a room at the inn. There are no attendants that we hear about. There's no qualified medical professional. It's not even clean. It's a stable with animals and animal hair and animal mess. It's dark, except for maybe a torch or two, a candle. I don't, I don't know what they would have had. If I had to give birth to any of my kids in conditions like that, I would be screaming at God for having abandoned me in my deepest need. Over here, there's no glory of the Lord to light up the scene. There's no angels or singing. There's just Mary and Joseph and the animals and the blood and sweat and pain of birth. And yet, it is here, not there, that God is doing the greatest miracle that has ever, ever been done, greater even than the creation of the whole world. God is becoming human. It is here, not there, that God is revealing God's self in all God's fullness the image of the invisible God, God in the flesh, Emmanuel. God coming to us through the womb of a willing teenager so that God's love could be made visible through the person of Jesus, so that God whose unfiltered glory could kill us could be seen in a way that we could touch, feel, understand, know, so that we could learn again not to be afraid or ashamed before God, but learn that we are known and forgiven, that we are beloved and welcomed in, so that all that is broken in this world could be put right, this world made whole again. This is the greatest miracle that has ever happened. And for the most part, in this moment, it looks like abandonment. It looks like loneliness and filth. It looks like pain. It seems to me to be far more frequent that God shows up in this way. Not with a crash of symbols and a light from heaven, but in the commonplace, the everyday, in dogged, confusing faithfulness. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, Jesus said. It starts out so small, but can you imagine what it will become? No matter what is happening for you this Christmas, do not be afraid. The good news of Christmas is this. God has come near. Your God comes to you in the bright light of angels and in the deep darkness of night. God brings good news of great joy to all people. Do not be afraid. Let's pray.
Lord, we ask that you would teach us to be like Mary. To say to you, let it be to me according to your will. And to walk faithfully through whatever it is that you offer, knowing that however hidden it is, your kingdom of God, your kingdom is bursting forth. That you are the hope of the world, that that hope is sure. And that even the quietness of your presence may be a grace to us. Lord, give us eyes to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.